welcome to the April edition of Life in the Tax Lane. This is so exciting. We are in April. This is the T1 season. This is like playoffs for us as accountants. <laughs> so we are rolling, but it can be a little bit intense. So we're very happy that you joined us for our, this Life in the Tax Lane. Right, Hugh? Ten minutes with your favorite tax April fools. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, this first one. It is no joke. We had a British Columbia court case looking at whether the CRA maliciously prosecuted a couple of taxpayers. And the court found that, yes, they did. So, by way of background, what happened here? These two taxpayers and their corporations were charged with 21 counts of tax evasion related to alleged skimming of money from their restaurant on Vancouver Island. They were, however, acquitted of all 21 charges. Now we're looking at what CRA did to get to that position. And the court noted that, first of all, the CRA investigator on this file suppressed evidence, misstated evidence, and essentially misled the or, or their senior, their, uh, their boss on the file. They also noted that the CRA employees uh, looked forward with unprofessional glee to the anticipated charging, conviction, sentencing, and the resulting ruination of the taxpayers and their reputation. They also noted CRA and the investigators did not acknowledge any of their wrongdoing, showed no remorse, nor provided an apology. And the court took quite offense to these actions and eventually um, awarded damages of nearly $1.7 million to the taxpayer here. So while it's a win for them, they've been through a lot of stuff and I think one of the one of the, the one of the groundbreaking pieces of this here mm -hmm. is uh, you know there there are, there are many stories about uh, CRA audits and how it can cause uh, problems in people's lives, etc. And uh, so there's a lot of criticism from that perspective. Now keep in mind, CRA they've got a job to do. So they're, you know, there's there's good and there's people who go over whatever like in any profession. But the concept here that's really groundbreaking is this is really the first time that there have actually been an award paid for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so this is something fairly new, and we're going to have to see if it's going to affect their audit practices going forward. Mm -hmm. Hugh, any thoughts on that? Well, first we should remember this was not just an audit. This yeah. was a criminal investigation. Yeah. They were trying to put these people in jail. Yeah. So that's taken very seriously. And we don't know yet. Maybe CRA will appeal this case. We don't know whether they got the tax right because the taxpayers are still uh, awaiting hearing by the tax court in respect of whether the taxes were properly computed. But clearly, CRA went overboard with criminal charges. Mm -hmm. uh, what I also found interesting in that case, Joel, mm -hmm. was, uh, Kate, we, uh, we don't think a lot in our daily practice about what we throw into emails. But a lot of that oh. glee and unprofessional conduct was in what they would have thought were just in-office emails. Yeah. So we got to think before we hit send. Yeah, that's a good point. So the next thing that I want to talk about here is budget 2017 and the concept of passive income. So we knew there were good, there were going to be some increases to taxation for corporations earning passive investment income. Uh, how? Well, we now have an answer to that. And they haven't actually increased the tax on that type of income, but they have tied that type of income or excesses of that income to other things, namely the small business deduction. So how it works here is if you have passive income in excess of $50,000, for every dollar in excess, you're going to have a $5 erosion of your small business limit. So 
currently you can earn up to $500,000 in active business income and pay the low small business rate. If you have this excess passive income, that 500 grand is going to shrink, 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 shrink. So you have less coverage from the small business deduction. And it goes down at a 5 to 1 ratio there. So that is fairly significant. So that means 150000 of this passive income will totally erode your access to the small business deduction in subsequent years. That's pretty quick. Now, I think, uh, you know, the other question we, we kind of have to consider is what exactly constitutes passive income? And uh, things like interest, that would generally, or it could be caught uh, if you are earning a rental income, specified investment business income, uh, capital gains on sale of assets. All of these things could be caught. Now, there are a couple outs. Hugh or Kate, who wants to talk about the things that aren't caught in passive income? Well, certainly we want to look at Hugh. assets that are actually used in the yeah. business. Sure. So maybe we sold real estate that mm -hmm. we were operating the business from. And we got a big capital gain. Is that passive income? In this case, no. It's not. That is one of the exclusions. Yeah. But if it was a share in TD Canada Trust stock and you have a gain there, well, that would be caught. Mm -hmm. Any other ones? Any other things to worry about? Well, yeah. certainly that's not used in my active business, which is going to bring to the fore the question of which assets are used in active business. And cash can be a really tough one to track. We've had other reasons for needing to figure out whether cash is used in an active business in the past. And CRA recently looked at this and went through an awful lot of analysis of various factors they'd look at. But maybe we have a very seasonal business. It only runs in the mm. summer. Well, over the winter, we've got all this money sitting in GICs earning interest. Then we dip into the GICs to start paying our expenses to get ready to ramp up for the summer season. By midsummer, we're into the line of credit. Forget the GICs. They've all been spent. And then the fall comes and we shut down and we collect all our receivables and by the end of the year, there we are back with a whole pile of GICs again. Well, is that interest going to taint my access to the small business deduction? And I would say, and CRA would say, probably not. What happens if you pull those GICs out at the end of the year? Well, next year you can't even operate the business. That's right. So cash used in a seasonal <laughs> cycle would be a really good example of cash that's truly an active business asset. Mm -hmm. uh, CRA also looks at some of these uh, claims and says, you know, when you have enough cash reserves to pay three years' worth of expenses if you don't have any revenues, you're pushing it. Mm -hmm. And no, you don't get to save up to buy three more businesses of similar size. So like everything else, it's going to be fact-dependent. But cash is not automatically a passive asset. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we take a step to the next position here, tax on split income, Katie. Yeah, so over the last number of months, we've talked about these proposed changes to limit the ability to income split within the family. I mean, sometimes we see it uh, where we pay a dividend to a non-active spouse. Maybe we pay a dividend to a kid in university to help, you know, pay for their university fees, soak up some of their personal credits. Well, there's been a lot of changes to limit the ability to do that. So, how much money do we think the government is going to make in taxes because of those changes? Well, the answer is it depends which department you talk to. If you talk to the Department of Finance, you're going to get one number. More recently, we had the Parliamentary Budget Officer releasing their numbers of estimates of revenue generated from these changes. Now, they're in the same situation as many of us, and, and that is that we're not quite sure how these rules are going to be rolled out, how CRA is going to administer them. So their report reflects this uncertainty, and they identified three scenarios 
where we're going to quantify maybe how much revenue. And there is a lot of variance. It goes from a low number of $435 million on an annual basis to another potential interpretation of the rules in generating over a billion dollars of revenue. Uh, so we're not quite sure, but that gives you an idea of what kind of money uh, will be picked up here over double than what the Department of Finance originally had yeah. proposed. So the, the key here is that it, it really highlights, like you said, that uncertainty. So, mm -hmm. hey, you're not alone yeah. if you don't know how to interpret these rules. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say that uh, most of us reading the PBO report found all three of their scenarios probably more conservative than how we expect this to be assessed in practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why don't we move on to the next point here. Let's talk about the United States here. There is this brand new transition tax, and guess what? This is a Canada thing. It's an outside of the U.S. thing. So just think about the people you know, the clients that you have, are any of them U.S. persons? So we're really talking about citizens, green card holders, residents, that kind. Now, do they have an interest in a co corporation outside of the United States? Well, many of them will. Uh, you could have a, 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 an accountant who's a U.S. person, a doctor, whoever. Do they have their own corporation? If they own more than 10% in a corporation, and that corporation in general is controlled by U.S. persons, so maybe they, in combination with other U.S. people, own more than 50%, you could be caught here. You have to take their portion of the retained earnings in that corporation, generated since 1986, multiply it on 8 to 15.5%. There are different, there's a range there, depending on what types of assets are there. And that is going to be their U.S. tax liability, potentially this year, right now, to be paid April. Now, there are a couple options, but you've got to be aware this is coming down the pipe. Big time. Certainly if you're uh, any U.S. citizen, U.S. green card holder living in Canada with private corporation interests, you better be checking into mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Do we want to just close off with one other item? No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> we had a really good day. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hope you have a wonderful personal tax season and enjoy the warm weather if it's See there. See you in May. <laughs> Life in the Tax Lane is presented by Video Tax News. The Video Tax News team has been supplying practical tax information to accountants and tax professionals for over 30 years. This Canadian-based company presents live and video seminars to thousands of tax professionals relating to both personal and corporate tax. Learn more at videotax.com. That's B-I-D-E-O-T-A-X dot com. The preceding information is for general educational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2018. All rights reserved.